Chapter 2 The gunman's given name is Robert J. DeSalt from Lowell, a hard-scrabble city of faded glories just up the road in Massachusetts. He stands five feet eleven inches, but seems considerably taller. His shoulders are broad and beefy, hair black, eyes hazel and deep-set, face wide and lightly scarred on the right, nicked twice on the left. A thick mustache shades his upper lip, and his jaw is square. His knuckles are scarred and calloused. His frame is tapered, hardened with purpose, and he carries himself as though balancing big chips on both shoulders. A jailhouse cross is tattooed on his right hand, and on his right arm is a single word, duce. In Italian, the word is pronounced duce as in il duce, which was Mussolini's nickname and means leader. The guy isn't big on spelling, or maybe he is and just likes the wordplay, whatever. Every tough guy has a street name. Sometimes it's apropos of nothing, just a way to say a guy's name without announcing his real identity. More often, it's because you never know who might be looking for him. This man's friends call him Deuce. About a month before the heist, late in the afternoon of a hot and humid day in mid-July, he is drinking hard in the bar of one of Boston's oldest and most popular restaurants, Jacob Worth on Stewart Street. He's tucked behind a far table, his back to the wall, his eyes on the front door. He is doing his best to be inconspicuous. He has a small white business card that he has handled so much that the lawyer's name on it is barely readable. Deuce is running, and the lawyer is an important man helping to get him out of Boston and to a hideout in Rhode Island. Supposedly, it will be no problem, because the lawyer is said to be about as crooked as the mafia clients he represents, but that's always the knock on defense lawyers. Still, it worries Deuce. He isn't big on trust to begin with, and he has an irrational hatred of Italians, especially the Italians in Rhode Island. Deuce believes they are the most arrogant and treacherous bastards he has ever known. He has made his living stealing stuff whenever he feels like it, while making it a point to steer clear of anything of potential interest to La Cosa Nostra. His vocation has earned him plenty of time in jail, off and on for about seventeen of his thirty-four years, in fact, but at least he still is in one piece. He is so institutionalized he has never learned how to drive— all of his jobs have had a designated wheelman. Deuce's major assets are an outdated sense of daring do, fast hands, and a quick lip. He can outsmile and outtalk most people who get paid to do it for a living, and you'd be hard put to find a bigger or more effective liar anywhere. When it comes to old fashioned smash and grab robbing, Deuce can hit a supermarket, coin shop, jewelry store, or small bank and leave minutes later with more money than most people earn in a couple of months or more. He usually goes in naked, which is to say without a mask, eyewitnesses be damned. Deuce is fast. He has balls, and when it comes to cool during a holdup, there is ice where his blood should be. He uses a gun only when necessary, because he knows the fall for armed robbery is longer and harder than for robbery unadorned. Just as often, he can pull a quick job pretending that he's armed while hollering loud enough to frighten anyone in his way. If that doesn't work, he can usually punch and push his way in and out. The best scenario is to have a partner who is armed. Let him worry about the law. 
For three days, Deuce holed up in a room at the Charles River Motel over on Soldier's Field Road, which was okay, because most of the time he was fucking his brains out with one of his old girlfriends. Now that it's time to move, all he can do is stay out of sight in the bar, sit tight, and wait. He's not awfully good at it. He is uncomfortable, all twitchy inside his skin, and more than a little worried. Deuce turns the business card over and stares at it as though the little thing has secrets to reveal. The card's face bears only the lawyer's name and a phone number. He marvels that something so little could mean so much. Yesterday he called the number and told the lawyer he needed to meet up with his best friend, Charles Chucky Flynn, the sort of man you want only as a friend. Chucky is good-looking, with light brown curly hair and a soft voice that he usually keeps at a low, almost shy monotone, but his face is hard, and so are his piercing blue eyes.